all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason. You. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Do you drive a vehicle? Then you'll find AutoCorrect helpful, especially on Coach Charlie's Tip of the Week. Listen to our podcast with me, Coach Charlie Melton, on any podcasting platform or on the MPB Public Media app. Joining us, you're listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Today, we're going to be focusing in on your eyes, and we're going to spend the next hour talking about the importance of eye health. And joining me in the studio today to help me with that is Dr. Roya Attar. She is an optometrist at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. You can always email us fit at mpbonline.org. Good morning, Roya. Good morning. Thank you so much for joining me. We did an episode um, back at the beginning of the pandemic uh, where you helped me talk about eye health. But it's been a little while, so I'm excited about this show Um the, the eyes are an often overlooked area of the body when we start to talk about health, but crucially important. And, you know, while we're waiting on some callers to, to give us a ring today, let's just kind of start with a little bit about yourself, what you do at UMC, so we just kind of get a feel for what we're going to be talking about. Oh, thank you again for having me on today. I am an assistant professor at UMC. I work for the Department of Ophthalmology. I'm the one and only optometrist, and uh, I do a lot of the um, primary care exams and um, as well as managing several other conditions that hopefully we'll get a chance to discuss today. Absolutely. But um, I'm also um, excited to report that I've recently um, successfully um, will be graduating with my second doctorate in health administration. And what was interesting is I had a research project to do for uh, my uh, degree, and it was on how often people essentially get their eye exams, what's their, um, well, that's, uh, it was much more involved in that, but I'm going (laughs) to just go over the gist of it. And um, for our viewers, Josie was also part of my um, the uh, part of the group that mm-hmm. helped uh, me with my research. And uh, what I have found was that uh, similar to other studies done, that people were neglecting to get their eye exams. And this was in direct comparison to if they get their um, regular wellness exams, if they get their dental exams, eyes were most often overlooked with the most common reason being there's no change in my vision. Yeah. Or I don't need anything. And uh, it's very important that, and I hope the viewers understand today, that uh, your vision or an eye, an eye exam is much more than actually your vision status. Mm-hmm. Many people can be 20-20 but have 
other significant quiet diseases happening. And uh, just like anything else, it's best if we catch it early before it takes a toll and permanently causes irreversible damage. Yeah, absolutely. And that was one part of your your project that surprised me a little bit. Now, of course, I knew people probably didn't utilize the eye doctor and their eye exams as... um, as we would want them to, but uh, I imagined that people did that more than they went to the dentist, and it was the opposite. Like people went to the dentist more than they did um, than they did the eye doctor, which was very surprising to me. It's probably my own bias because I don't love going to the dentist. It's very important, and you should go. But um, I, it's it's my least favorite health checkup. Although I love um, our our friends in the school of dentistry, and we have them on a lot. Um, that was a surprising thing um, that I, that we. Um, that we kind of came out through that research, so right. it was, that was interesting. And that's the you know, the basis of any good research is finding out kind of the state of the problem, right? You know, are people utilizing it, and then if not, what are the barriers that are keeping people from from utilizing that? And before we really get uh, deep down in that content, we already have a caller on the line. We're going to go say good morning to Wayne in Crystal Springs. How can we help you? Yes. Um is there any concern behind the causes of like a busted blood vessel in the white of the eye um, where you have bright red and you have a gradation of, of uh, uh, color going down scale from there? And um, maybe it feels like when you're, uh, I don't know if it feels like a, a little bit of a, I don't want to say irritation, there's no pain, mm-hmm. but um, they're like a little fog or something, not, not too much, but maybe on that side of the eye. Wonderful. All right, Dr. Attar, tell us about it. Thank you, Wayne, for calling in. Well, without seeing a picture of it or uh, you directly, I'm going to assume it's one of the most common things that, you know, we usually call a busted blood vessel, which is a subconjunctival hemorrhage, which often looks more scarier than it is. Uh, It can happen as a result of trauma, overexertion. You know, if you were doing some heavy lifting, a lot of people who are on blood thinners are more prone to them as well. Often, though, it does not cause any uh, change in vision. There's no pain. It just looks... It looks scary. It looks scary. Uh, however, if if uh, I always recommend ju- just to be certain it's not uh, anything else, uh, certainly go in and uh, have it looked at uh, just to be just to be certain absolutely yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah and you know where i have seen it of course it's a very common thing to come into primary care you know, not not even going to the eye doctor but just coming into the the primary care provider and the first time you see it you are oh goodness what mm-hmm. has happened there you know um where i have seen it um frequently is like after an upper respiratory infection where you may have had a lot of coughing um, or after the stomach virus where you may have had a lot of vomiting, kind of that increase in pressure, just like you were talking about lifting things. It's really just mm-hmm. pressure inside the the thoracic cavity that, that pushes things through up the um, through the blood vessels and will pop them there. And they usually just take a little bit of time for that blood to kind of reabsorb and everything is okay. Um, but I, I definitely echo um, Roya's comment that it's always appropriate to get that checked out to make sure that there's not anything else going on in there. Exactly. Especially if you saw it as a result of trauma. Right. That was the time you de- should definitely go in. What was that second part, Wayne? Um, if you got one of those types of uh, diagnoses before where you were like a candidate for um, possible glaucoma and, and it was it was basically uh, blown off as your the thickness of your your eye, the skin is 
it's, it's a thicker skin, and that's why your pressure shows up on screenings, like maybe you're needing to go further. Does that have any interplay with the busted vessel? No. No, it does not. No. 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 Okay. All right. All right, Wayne. Thank you so much for giving us a call today. I just want you to kind of give us a a plea as to why eye health is so important. Okay. Well, you know, as part of my research, and I learned something that I've known always, uh, is that when – if you ask anyone – what they're willing to part with. <laughs> okay. You had to lose something. <laughs> you had to lose. Vision is never, is, is you know, the thing that is absolutely very, very important for anyone. Uh, you know, we talked about going to the dentist. You know, if you lose a tooth, often you can get it replaced and probably even looks prettier than your natural mm-hmm. <laughs> regular teeth. But an eye cannot be. So that's why it's so important um, that uh, we do, we take the necessary steps to make mm-hmm. sure that um, there's nothing could impair our vision. Uh, part of it's that. The other thing, of course, being in Mississippi, uh, a lot of my um, research also found that in other national studies done that the rate of vision impairment within the next 10 years, 10 to 20 years, Mississippi is poised to have the highest per capita mm-hmm. vision impairment within the country. So, a lot of that, of course, being attributed to other systemic diseases manifesting in the eye. But, again, it's a lot of it is also uh, preventable, blindness and vision impairment, and all of which can be done if we take those uh, necessary steps and have our regular annual dilated exam. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, me as a primary care provider, you know, I often see high blood pressure, diabetes, high cholesterol. You know, those are the very common things that come in to see me. And all of those are linked to eye health as well. Uh, You know, having too high of a blood pressure or an uncontrolled blood sugar or super high cholesterol can all impact your vision and the flip of that, you know, sometimes you may not know that you have high blood sugar or uh, high blood pressure and you can see changes in the eye that says, hey, have you had your blood pressure checked recently or what's your blood sugar? And so it's a really you know, kind of symbiotic relationship that, that we have there. You're listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm Josie Bidwell. Joining me in the studio today, I have Dr. Roya Attar, and we are talking about your eyes today and focusing in on your eye health. And we do have a couple callers on the line, so we're going to get to them. All right, we're going to go to Yazoo County and say good morning to Belle. How can we help you? Hello. Good morning. You're on the air. Good Good morning. Um, I have a suggestion. I've thought of it for quite a long time. Um, I would love to see UMMC put on a medical program about ophthalmology because so many people have eye problems, Mm -hmm. even if it's only for glasses. And I think if people are made more aware of their vision, they might pay more attention to it. I always had good eyesight. I didn't... uh, even need reading glasses until I was 52. And uh, then I found out I had macular degeneration. And uh, that, that's that been helped uh, with, you know, with my ophthalmologist. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't whine about it, but I do have limited vision on reading. But uh, I really do think there's a need for more programs 
um, or topics on ophthalmology. And thank you. Absolutely. Thank you for giving us a call. And that's you know one of the reasons why I wanted to do today's show so we can get out that information. And then, Dr. Attar, I know after your research, there's going to be some, some more focus on getting information out to patients, right? Exactly. Yeah. Thank you so much, Beth, for that. And uh, as Dr. Bidwell said, uh, in my study, I found that there is a big need for eye health literacy, that education for people to know that uh, and how important an eye exam is and what all that we look for. Uh, more importantly, that going to a vision screening or having a your primary care doctor, what they do during their annual visit, that's not enough. Mm-hmm. You should see a specialist for the eye to have your eyes checked. Um, so, yes, thank you. Beth. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for giving us a call. And I think that's really important to highlight the fact that, you know, when you see me for your, your annual wellness exam, and I do, I take you to the little chart and I, you know, I do the ease the and all of that kind of good stuff. I'm just checking visual acuity at that point. You know, can you see at these distances um, and then um, uh, depth perception a little bit and color blindness um, a little bit as well and then um, you may or may not get uh, one of us that looks you know looks at the back of your eye but that is certainly not something that we're going to get we're not going to dilate your eye in the primary care office and and get a good picture of the back of the eye so it really is important that you get um, an annual screening at least an annual screening by um, a just somebody who's just does the eyes that have all of the right equipment to look at all of the different parts of your eye. All right, we're going to go to Jackson and say, good morning, Andrew. How can we help you? Yes, I had LASIK surgery in January, and I'm still seeing halo. I mean, that normal what? Hi, Andrew. Thank you for your question. Uh, yes, uh, one, depending on what type of procedure you have done, uh, one of the most common things that we usually prepare patients for is after the surgery, it isn't rare to see halos. Uh, usually it gets better. Sometimes um, uh, someone might need it. You might need a small prescription, a glasses prescription to help with that. Uh and again, it's important to follow up with the surgeon that performed your surgery and let them know so that they can make sure that you're healing well, that nothing else is causing those halos. Okay. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you, Andrew. All right. So those were both great um, calls. While we're waiting on more callers, uh, tell me when should I exams start like when should you go i have a feeling that i'm going to feel um, bad at whatever the answer to this is <laughs> no, don't feel bad uh well for uh for children at six months oh yep yep definitely feel know. bad <laughs> <laughs> six months because you know again especially uh, a doctor and eye care provider specializing in children will look for many things that um, the child could have. Again, the pediatrician's pretty good at spotting a few things, mm-hmm. but it's not, again, as thorough as a uh, eye care provider. Uh, if your child has, believe it or not, you think it's actually easy to detect. Sometimes it's so subtle to detect a lazy eye. Mm-hmm. Or if one eye is, uh, has any type of opacity that's stopping um, normal development. And that is super important to catch it very, very early because that's when all that development's done, the brain-eye connection. And if we don't catch it early, um, that child is forever usually impaired. And 
which can't ever usually be fixed after if the uh, brain development part doesn't happen. Uh, so usually at six months, and then we recommend two years, four years, um, six, you know, uh, again, depending on your child's needs, the, mm-hmm. the eye care provider will tell you. And then most people um, can go every one to two years if they're relatively healthy. I recommend annual exams personally. I like to see my patients every year. Uh, beginning when you get older, right around age 40, uh, if you, even if you've never had any type of correction, as one of our callers said earlier, about that time you'll start noticing changes in your vision. Call those birthday changes. <laughs> birthday changes. That's a good way to put it. Right. Right at the, it starts, it can start as early as your early 40s, but definitely by the time you're 50, you're going to notice them. And that's, most people can be corrected with uh, reading glasses. But again, if you don't want reading glasses, um, again, when you visit your doctors, there's new treatments. Um, there's an eye drop that can fix that or help you with that. Or you can talk about contacts or different <laughs> things. Yeah. And uh, as well as getting, um, that's also important depending, uh, and some people should be seen even more often depending on what type of family history that they have and uh, making sure you're aware of that. Uh, But usually every year annually is important to visit. And, you know, I really want to make sure that, you know, if you've got school-age kids, you're taking them to get their their eye exam. You know, we, we want kids to learn you know and we want kids to have good experiences in school and if they can't see then their learning is going to be impacted and even their behavior may be impacted because people are not picking up on it and uh, you know in the era of assigned seating you know you may Mm -hmm. not you know when I was in school you could always tell the folks who had trouble seeing because they migrated to the front of the room to try and, and see the the board now there's not that much stuff up on, on a board anymore. They have it in front of them on uh, iPads, and seating is kind of um, set. So you may not be able to pick up on, on folks that are not seeing as well, and it really is so important. The same same thing with hearing. That's why in the schools we check hearing on all those kids, because if you can't hear, you can't learn as well um, either without some different accommodations there. So, you know, if you've never taken your kiddo uh, to the eye doctor and you think it's like but his eyes are fine. Like he doesn't say anything about anything or you yourself. Um, if you're like, what, well, why would I go? My eyes are fine. Go ahead and go. Right. Um, mm-hmm. They may not be as fine as we think they are, but we hope that they are. And we just want to prevent anything from developing further on. So what should people expect? Like when they make a visit to come to the eye doctor, what's going to happen? Oh, um, can I speak on what you said yeah, earlier? Absolutely. Really importantly, I love that you brought up us. Uh, you know, um, kids in school, because a lot of parents assume that the school does a vision screening Mm -hmm. and that that's enough. Uh, And it's not enough because a lot, again, is missed through a vision screening. And then we also assume that our child will tell us if they can't see. A child will not not even know they can't. They don't know because that's what's normal has Mm -hmm. been to them. So you really don't know. And uh, until you really actually have them checked, you shouldn't wait for the teacher or to get a letter from the school. You should proactively take your children because, again, uh, any uh, the brain essentially takes up one of the biggest lands or the eyes take up one of the biggest areas of landscape in our brain and 80% of learning is visual. Mm -hmm. So any type of impediment to that is going to affect that long term. 
So very, very important to make sure that, you know, we want to give our kids the best chance in life. And that's one sure, absolute way that we should take them to have an eye exam. Wonderful. And when they when you come for an eye exam, uh, you know, you uh, expect to, you know, uh, have, again, your, it starts with your visual acuity, your eye pressures are checked. Uh, a lot of, of uh, fortunately, the eye, what makes it so special is that we're able to see so much like actual living tissue by dilating your eyes. And then we have a lot of specialized equipment that can take um, uh, photographs of the inside of your eyes. So that's one of the parts that I enjoy the most, really actually uh, doing a lot of patient education with the pictures mm-hmm. of people's eyes. And people love that to show them. Uh, you know, one of the things that I often catch quite a bit is a lot of people say, Oh, my blood pressure is only high when I go to the doctor, mm. you know, and but when I look inside their eye, I'm able to see their vasculature. If they have chronic high blood pressure, that va- that vasculature has changed. Mm-hmm. And I'm able to tell them that. And then, of course, communicated, hopefully, with their primary care to say, no, this isn't just a, it's a in white, just white coat, coat, right? It's a it's a chronic issue that should be addressed. Uh, so, yeah, the eyes reveal quite a bit. So. Um, when you come in for your eye exam, uh, your typical history and uh, your acuity pressures, once you're dilated, be prepared for some lights shining in your eyes to get a good look in there. And then, uh, you know, usually you'll be told if you need a prescription or if any other findings. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's relatively simple, painless. The only uncomfortable may be just some light. Yeah. So I know... When I go, there's a machine, and you put your face on it, and there's like I'm, not, I'm not even talking about the puffer uh, one yet. Okay. Um, the one has like a little has a barn or some kind mm-hmm. of house in mm-hmm. it, and it's real blurry. And then it gets into folk. What is that checking? That is checking your objective uh, refractive error. Well, that clears it right up. <laughs> yes. So it gets an automated prescription. It generates an what the you know objectively what you can be. Now, of course, when you see the doctor, they put the other one in front of you, and then you pick one or two. Oh, I always feel like that is a test that I have never studied <laughs> so for, and that is that I'm answering wrong. Right. I'm like, which one of these is the right, right answer? <laughs> and I just want everyone to rest assured, between one and two, it's not a lot of difference, okay? But I know it feels that way, And uh, but I like the objective measurement with the mm-hmm. barn quite a bit, mm-hmm. so that gives us a good starting point. Uh, And then, of course, you mentioned the notorious puff of air. The puff of air. Which is the most hated machine ever. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's so um, counterproductive. They're like, don't blink. Hold your eye open. And I'm like, but there's something coming at my eyeball. Like, (laughs) um, But that's checking for what? That's checking your eye pressure. Now, there are different ways to check your eye pressure. Uh, uh, There's um, the reason the puff of air is popular, despite so much anxiety, about, you know, the anticipation of the puff. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but uh, there are, uh, the reason that's popular is because uh, it's it's a non-invasive way. So the other ways that we check pressure, we actually have to put a drop and numb the eye. And that changes a few things. Uh, but the puff of, you know, it just doesn't touch the eye or anything. Mm-hmm. But there are other ways. If you don't like the puff of air. Don't just not go because you're afraid of the puff right. of air. Express that and ask them to check it a different way. Every physician has more than one way to check the 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 eye pressure, which is very important, uh, uh, eye pressure, because it can 
certainly it's one indicator if you have glaucoma right. or uh, other eye conditions that may you know and that's one of those things we want to pick up on early so mm-hmm. that we can start to work on addressing yeah. that to prevent you know right. glaucoma is probably I would say one of the most significant quiet diseases mm-hmm. ever I can say at any one day I I can pick up someone who's never had um, been diagnosed that they've probably had uh, glaucoma and it's slowly been doing damage. But the problem with it is by the time we actually, it, before we, it actually like takes effect, like mm-hmm. we, it impairs our vision, uh, the damage is over like 50% yeah. before we actually notice it. So if we can stop it before it gets there, uh, you know, that's also the good thing about glaucoma. It's not like something that if you missed, you know, it's immediately going to take your vision away tomorrow. But it, because it's slow, it allows us some time. But also because it's slow, it also uh, lends itself to why so many people have not um, noticed that their vision is slowly, slowly decreasing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We are talking eye health today here on Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit. And we do have a caller who's been waiting patiently on us. We're going to go down to Gulfport and say, good morning, Suzanne. How can we help you? Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Absolutely. Uh, my, grandson, my grandson was recently diagnosed with optic nerve hyperplasia. Okay. How old is your son? I mean, your grandson. Uh, two years. Two years old. All right. So uh, optic nerve hypoplasia is usually a underdevelopment of the optic nerve. And uh, if, if your question is, is there any treatment for it? Unfortunately, not to my knowledge. Uh, again, what we watch is that uh, make sure still go to have his annual eye exam because it can lead to other things. But be prepared that your grandson will have decreased vision in one or both eyes uh, but still, you know, can probably see enough uh, well enough to get through school and do well. I always like to prepare parents' um, expectations to say that, you know, this if, you know, your child probably can never be a pilot, for example, or if mm-hmm. they uh, need a, they want to pursue a career that requires very good depth perception, such as a surgeon or something, you know, that probably isn't likely. So just to prepare. But that's about the extent of some of their, of, will be of his limitations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Any right. recommendation for, for school when he gets older? Uh, we'll make sure that the, uh, that his uh, teachers are aware of his condition so that they can uh, make any appropriate accommodations. And that's really important because uh, the way that uh, it's taught, school is taught or tests are administered, it's uh, administered for someone who doesn't have usually any visual limitations. And if he needs any special accommodations, it's very important to get um, have those conversations in advance so that does not hinder his performance. Okay, thank you very much. All right. Thank, thank you, you, Suzanne. That's a tough one. Yeah. You know, but, you know, the take home is continue to go to your eye doctor, right, mm-hmm. um, so that they can be proactive with anything that we that they can do to, you know, increase functionality and all of those different kinds of things. Because new technologies and, and new things are being developed all of the time. So we don't want to just not go because we think there's nothing that we can do about it. We always want to go. All right. We've mentioned dilated eye exams a couple of times. And mm-hmm. you mentioned some drops. Like, why are we doing that? What's the purpose of that? 
So a dilated eye exam is allows, again, what makes the eye so special is when we dilate you, we're able to actually see active tissue. Uh, I'm able to see your blood vessels. Like that's actual thing. For any other doctor to do that, they'd probably have to cut you open. Well, let's not do that. (laughs) So that's what makes dilation so special. We're able to see the optic nerve, Mm -hmm. the everything in the retina, the macula. Undilated exams, uh, I, the way I like to describe it to patients, it's like me looking through your eye, like through a keyhole or versus the whole door being open. With all that being said, there is uh, a lot of uh, physicians do, uh, it is always a patient's right to deny dilation because the side effects of dilation will be light sensitivity. It doesn't really affect distance vision. It affects near vision. So you will be a little blurry at near for a few hours. Um, but, uh, and a lot of, uh, physicians instead of, um, for convenience now, like I said, the eye is so special that there's this, they can take a picture that allows them to see almost all the way around the eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it gives them, a lot of people are offered that option. Can we take a picture? Uh, I, to be, uh, personally, honestly, I do both, uh, because I, you know, I'd like to do both. Uh, but again, it's at the discretion of um, the individual. Mm-hmm. Uh, but let me just say that the gold standard is still a dilated eye exam. Plus, you get some really cool sunglasses <laughs> to, to wear after that. They the are fun. they are high fashion. Yes. Um, yeah. Do you need a driver or anything with you if you're going to get your eyes dilated? We say that to patients, but like I said, for driving, you mainly need good distance vision. So since dilation doesn't really affect distance, then uh, not necessarily. But again, it's at an individual's yeah. comfort so level. So it's not a hard stop. So don't, you know, yeah. again, just have that conversation with your eye care professional so that you can make the the best decision. Um, what I'm hearing through all of these different uh, things that we've talked about is if there's something that you're scared of. Mm-hmm. Just talk to your healthcare provider about it because there may be an alternative that we can do that may not be as perfect as being as what we want, but is uh, better than nothing, right? And right. so we we always want to get those things um, those things done. So you and I both are very pro um, keeping our eyes and our bodies as healthy as we can. So right. what are a few things that we can do that are good for just keeping our eyes healthy other than just going and getting our routine screenings are there things that we can do in our daily life that keep our eyes healthy okay well yeah again most important thing is your annual eye exam other than that uh you know may is healthy vision month by Mm -hmm. the way so thank you for having me on in may but also uh sun protection we always talk about sun protection i don't think uh one thing i'd like to you know People don't realize that your eyes are the only internal organ directly exposed to the sun. Hmm. So unless you close your eyes, you know, right. the skin protects all the other organs, but the eye is it's just, just out there doing its right. thing. Yep. Right. So sun protection for the eyes, getting sunglasses for the eyes, very important. Uh, prescription. If you already wear glasses, have a separate pair of prescription sunglasses or have your glasses turned dark. Very important. All the other things that we say are good for the body are also good for the eyes. So a diet rich in uh, what I like to say is, um, as I said before, like eating all your colors. Yes. You know, all those uh, natural foods, very healthy for the eye, um, not smoking. 
not smoking, a lot of conditions associated with that, uh, keeping uh, blood pressure and everything else, mm-hmm. keeping all of that in control, very, very important. Yep. And she's mm-hmm. talking about fruits and vegetables, y'all. Fruits and vegetables. Fruits and vegetables are full of vitamins and minerals that our eyes need and that help our blood vessels stay healthy, which is the other thing, keeping those blood vessels nice and healthy and nice and uh, the blood being able to flow through them uh, freely is really, really important there. And uh, there are supplements. If you've gone uh, supplements for eyes, eye vitamins, Mm -hmm. uh, the main people that they help, uh, the eye supplements, are individuals with macular degeneration. A certain level of macular degeneration have been found that they will, can be helpful in. Does it hurt it hurt you to take it otherwise? Uh, not necessarily. But, you know, make sure again speak to your physicians because uh, even things that are over the counter, uh, they can mix when mixed with your regular medication may not be appropriate. Uh, so yes. And I didn't tell her to say that, but y'all know that's what I talk about all the time. Very important. I quickly want to go over to Claudine and say, how can we help you? Good morning. Good morning. I'm talking about my husband. He had cataract surgery in March. And this has been having trouble with his cornea. And his eye also releases um, a mucus from, from time to time. It was attached to associated with dry eye before he had surgery. And uh, his vision is only at 350 feet right now. Yeah, so he mm-hmm. had cataract surgery in March, and he's having some continued drainage as well as some dry eye stuff? Yes. Okay, okay. Dr. Attar? Um, again, uh, anytime you uh, have any surgery, dry eye is probably one of the most common side effects. If he had pre-existing dry eye, that may have exasperated it. Uh, very mm-hmm. important mm-hmm. always to keep your eye area clean. I would say wash your lids and lashes with baby shampoo. Um, but again, in his case, he should have, um, if it's you know come gotten to the place where it's uh, not normal, like more than just the eyes running, uh, it's mm-hmm. important to follow up with the um, physicians, the surgeon, to make sure. Now, that is not something that I think has necessarily to do with this cataract surgery, again, but I can't say because um, I'm not seeing him. But uh, cataract surgery, by the way, is one of the... Uh, interesting fact, it's the most common surgery in the whole world. Wow. Think about mm-hmm. it. <laughs> uh, everybody, if you live you know, long enough, if you live long mm-hmm. enough, if you're over 50, you have cataracts. Yeah. And then when yeah. you get older, around 65 and above, you'll probably have cataract surgery. And it's a very safe, I mean, there's, uh, you know, it's, it's very fast and safe and has instant results that um and so dry eye very common but again follow up with your surgeon things to really look out for is if there's any light sensitivity extreme redness pain any change in vision those are things that indicate that it could be something more serious all right all right thank you claudine from mpb think radio you're listening to southern remedy healthy and fit I'm Josie Bidwell. Joining me today is Dr. Roya Attar, and we have been talking all about eye health, and we are in the last segment of the show. So I'm going to go right on over to the phone lines to the folks who are uh, waiting to talk with us today. We're going to go to Purvis and say good morning to Sabra. Did I say it right? Uh, no, it's it's Sabira. Well, that's the, the I was, that was my second choice, but I apologize okay. for that. <laughs> How no can we problem. help you? It's a beautiful name. Yes, How can we help you? Thank you. Um, I have two questions. Okay. Uh, one came from the last ca- caller, but my first one is: How do you 
factor in vitamin D from the sunlight is as a benefit for the eyes, and um, and then if it because um, in in terms of wearing sunglasses, because that's you're blocking sunlight right. when you wear the dark glasses. So so that question first, and then if the uh, the doctor, um, I have another question, but if the around vitamin D though. Would the doctor recommend supplementing with vitamin D? Is that a good thing? Or are there other supplements that are helpful for eye care? Wonderful Help question. Guys? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, vitamin D is synthesized in the skin. So just wearing sunglasses is not going to kind of block your synthesis of vitamin D. Um, even using the appropriate level of sunscreen is not really going to block the synthesis of vitamin D. We do need to be in the sun uh, for for the um, the. Um, vitamin D to be synthesized, but it's actually a very short amount of sun exposure, only about 15 minutes um, a day on the upper body, so to speak, is what is necessary for um, synthesis of that. Now, in terms of supplementation, that depends, right? Um, In general, most people don't need supplementation um, of vitamins and definitely, well, not definitely, but most people absolutely don't need a multivitamin. You may need individual vitamins if you're deficient in that. So the first step is finding out, are we deficient in one of these vitamins? Vitamin D is a very easy check um, to have checked out to see if you're deficient in that. And then there are a variety of dosages of that. And so that's why I really recommend getting the vitamin D level checked because if you are um, not deficient uh, and you're just kind of lower on the spectrum because they, they do uh, have you know normal kind of deficiency uh, levels and then like you are out like you have very little vitamin D depending on where you fall on that spectrum would be what type of supplement I would recommend all the way from just a, you know, a regular, um, you know, kind of like women's once a day that has uh, calcium and vitamin D in it or prescription strength vitamin D, which is usually like 50,000 units um, every week. So it really is important to kind of know mm-hmm. what we're, what we're dealing with in terms of how deficient uh, we may be in vitamin D. Okay. And then the last thing was um, cataracts. What mm-hmm. causes cataracts? And is there something in particular about aging that contributes to cataract development? Great question, Dr. Attar. How you get them? Why we get them? Well, the answer was in the question. <laughs> aging. Aging. Birthdays, yeah. Similar to how your hair turns gray, there's a lens inside your eyes that starts to essentially turn a little bit brunescent. And uh, that's essentially cataracts. Everyone will get it. Mm-hmm. And then there absolutely mm-hmm. are things like um, use of steroids. Like if yes. you if you uh, require chronic steroid use for an autoimmune type disorder or you know frequent asthma exacerbations, those kinds of things can absolutely speed that process up a little bit. And so you may develop those cataracts mm-hmm. earlier on. Yeah, excellent point. Absolutely. And there are different types of cataracts. There's the normal age related kind, but then steroid. Uh, uh, induced. induced, and then there's uh, if you're diabetic on insulin, you usually develop them much sooner. Uh, if you have some type of uh, trauma to the eye, that can develop a cataract. And then, in rare cases, some children are born with cataracts, and so it's uh, mm-hmm. again it's very important to have that looked at and taken out. So yes, 
All right. Thank you very much. Thank Thank you you. so much. All right. And very quickly, we're going to go to John. John, we've got just a couple minutes. Go ahead and let us know how we can help you. Okay. um, The most important of the five questions I have (laughs) is about um, cataracts, I guess. And the um, uh, are cataracts responsible for the flares that you see when you drive at night? Because that's important to me. And um, the flares from oncoming headlights and other lights have been bad enough that one time I hit something in the road. I mean, the road at one point just disappears. Uh, Is there anything that can be done about that condition, that phenomenon? Uh, Yes, that is actually the number one side effect of developing cataracts is the glare at night, uh, especially to oncoming headlights. What can be done about that is first to make sure that you have the correct prescription on, and then on your lenses, there you can get lens treatments that will help break the glare, what we call these aberrations that enter through the eye through the lens uh, it helps block that so hence blocking the glare usually an an, a good high quality anti-reflective coating will go a long way to help with that it's very important great there's something i can look for then um can i ask one other quick thing about floaters yeah go ahead is there anything that can be done about them i first noticed them when i was a little kid looking up in the sky trying to find airplanes Well, about 12, 15 years ago, I banged my head, not terribly hard, but it was enough to cause um, sort of uh, flashing in my right eye. And since then, I've noticed that the number of floaters have increased so that it looks like, if I look up at the sky, it looks like I'm looking through seaweed. Very importantly, uh, it's, uh, when you have floaters, especially onset of new floaters and especially flashes, to make sure you have a full dilated exam to make sure that those flashes and floaters aren't associated with any uh, hole or tear in the tissue behind your eye. That's the most important thing. Uh, as far as floaters, they're a funny visual phenomenon that once you sort of see them, you can't unsee them. But uh, they and they do tend to hang around for a while and they come on. You had them earlier on, which is rare. But again, as we get more more mature, more birthdays, we tend to see them more as the changes in our eyes happen. Usually they'll go away. They'll settle down. Um, But in very extreme cases, uh, uh, some doctors can do a surgical procedure with where they essentially take out the part of the air eye that is responsible for the floaters. We usually don't recommend that unless it's like very extreme. Uh, but again, very important to get that dilated, fully dilated eye exam to be checked out and make sure that uh, there's nothing else associated with the new onset of flashes and floaters. Okay, thank you very much. Thank, thank you. you, John. Thanks for giving us a call. Oh, man, what a great show. We had so many callers, and if you didn't get a chance to give us a call today, you can always email your question to fit at mpbonline.org. This has been Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, which is a production of MPB Think Radio. If you didn't catch the show today in its entirety, be sure to subscribe to our podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on your favorite podcasting app. And tune in every weekday at 11 for the full Southern Remedy lineup. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. 
To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on 